listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. And it's going to be verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read uh, the scripture, and at the end, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and I'm going to invite you to respond with thanks be to God. And so it says, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all, brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech and they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? Doing great, doing great. It is too much to be here. It is too much. Um, I didn't want to get emotional, and uh, I got all emotional while we were singing. It was very, uh, I just miss you guys, man. You guys are so awesome. Um, I love this place. I love Samir and Shirley. A little bit more of Samir. No, <laughs> love them both. I love them both. They're like, Samir's become one of my brothers here. I just love him to death. I love everyone here. I love, um, even if I don't know you. You know, I love you. All right. All right. So, but this, like uh, Jonathan was saying, this was uh, my church home, uh, but we got called out. Me and my wife got called out. Je- Jesus was like, look, we got to put you over here. Sorry, dog. But uh, we got you going over here back where I live. That's exactly where I live. Fillmore is where I've been living. Um, and I've been driving out to Burbank, started first, and then here as we planted the church. And man, it's just been amazing, but you guys are my family. You guys are um, just a part of me. Every time I think about church, it's, it's Granada Hills. And Burbank too, I know that there's some people from Burbank right here. You got your, the Burbank, the sister church, and this is the brother church, right? Is that what I heard? Right, right, right. No, Samir keeps saying that, I don't know. But, uh, but no, just love you guys. And, and church family, right? Sometimes it's even closer than our own family, right? Like, like they just know us better. Like my, my, my brother doesn't know all this, right? He doesn't know me like Samir knows me even. So, and I think God allows that. He, he, he just allows that so we can really connect. So we can really connect and bear each other's burdens, right? All right, so before I get emotional, I got to keep on fighting back. I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it, all right? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for bringing me back here to this family. And 
Um, I just pray that you are with each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray that you are with me, Lord, as I preach to your word and um, that you are with your word to empower it, to open up eyes and ears and to penetrate, Lord. And please bring, bring us to your feet in worship, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so when Samir asked me, right, because I didn't just like invite myself, I don't do that, right? It's only sometimes when I'm hungry, right? So, so when Samir asked me to come preach on the gate, it was just kind of weird, the first image that came up in my, in my brain, you know, preach on the gate, right? So, and it's been um, changed over the years because I did work for Amazon for about a year, right, a year and a half. So, um, it changed to the gates I used to deliver to, right? And I just remember, um, you know, because I covered Woodland Hills and Calabasas and Reseda, they just... All these apartments having these gates, and then uh, the mansions having gates, and then the gated community having gates, and then inside the gated community, the houses had gates. Never understood that, but I don't make enough money to need to understand that. I'm never going to need to understand none of that, right? So it doesn't matter. Ken's not going to be in there. So <laughs> I'll walk past here. They'll tell me to leave. So anyway, so in, in, in the app, I would be stuck at the gate. You know, because Amazon had this app and I'd be punching in the, the codes and then it would never, it would never work, you know. And I'd be calling my wife and I'd look ridiculous in my little elf, Amazon elf suit. So, you know, flying around with the, pa you know, with the packages and stuff like that. But it just, you know, it just changed. Um, so after, you know, like Amazon traumatized me, so it changed. But then what I used to think about, I had to remember what I used to think about and you know, something I would think about like a church gate, you know, like when somebody said the gate, the church gate, or the door that uh, Martin Luther, you know, nailed the 95 Thesis of and to kick off the uh, Reformation. That, that's the kind of thing that I used to think about. Or for some of us, maybe it's the beautiful gate in Acts chapter 3, the porch of Solomon, where Peter healed the lame man. I, just imagine for eternity, this guy is going to be known as the lame man. So I'm glad I, I don't have that title. But, uh, but now Jesus in our text is claiming to be the gate. He's claiming to be the gate. And he's also in our text claiming to be the shepherd. And some of us are familiar with how the shepherds used to uh, lead their flock, right? Uh, back in those days, uh, he would usually build the corral and then actually put the sheep in the corral or pen, and then um, he would become the gate. The shepherd would become the gate. So he would have his weapon, you know, and the little walking stick, you know, with the hook, you know. And it would almost be like if Samir just got up and then just laid at the entrance of the, of the, of the church there, you know, not really with a weapon um, or with a walking stick, but more like a tablet in his phone, right? Or, or the, his computer. But, um, <laughs> but so Samir would have to become the gate because he would have to protect the sheep inside. Amen? So the big idea for today is Samir's not the gate. Is there, there's only one gate. And we all know who that is, right? 
Amen. So before I get into it, I would like to go back a little bit uh, in the previous chapter, at the end of the previous chapter. So I'll just run through it a little bit quickly uh, at the end of chapter 9. And we see in this chapter that Jesus heals the blind man and the religious group, the Pharisees, have this man on trial for being healed. How does that happen? Right? Now, we know on this day Jesus healed the man and uh, it is the day of rest, which is called the Sabbath. The Sabbath. You can't, you can't be healing on that day. So then the Pharisees, adhering to the law, called Jesus a sinner. Right? But, you know... If we didn't know any better, if we didn't know any better and we didn't examine the text, we, would, we could conclude that they could be right. But since Jesus is sinless, blameless, and perfect, this couldn't be, right? And Jesus, if you haven't heard, does what he wants, right? He does what he wants. But he is of his father's business. He is of his father's business. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. And he is Lord of the Sabbath in Matthew 12, verse 1 through 8. And the Pharisees didn't like this. They just hated this guy. This guy, Jesus. <laughs> um, he was making himself like God also. They just wanted to kill him. So Jesus, knowing this, he responds in John chapter 9, verse 40. And right now, this is the Pharisees talking. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? And then Jesus says, if you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say you see, your sin remains. So Jesus is calling them out. Jesus is calling them out. He doesn't back down. He loves to battle with words. And I don't, maybe love is, is a little, maybe he's a little sad that the people who are supposed to be representing him are, are doing this. Maybe he's a little sad and upset. And as we step into John chapter 10, we can see the tone and how upset Jesus really is. And we need to really recognize the tone of the conversation because it actually adds a, a different dynamic to the scene. If this was a loving conversation, this would be different, but it isn't. It is a combative one. It is a combative one. We also see that Jesus isn't just walking around and saying things to people. He had a target audience. He had a target demographic. And going into chapter 10, there is no break or mention that he just left or he's talking to someone else or that the scene has changed. It's not like it was some sort of musical and then the 12 apostles are in the background doing the dance moves, right? And then he just busts out in a solo. No, it, it's not like that. It's not like that. And let's just take a side note. Scriptural context is important for application in our lives, okay? I want everyone to understand this. And for the battles the spiritual battles that we have, scriptural context needs to be studied daily. We must understand what was said and how it was said. Now, imagine this scene though. The Pharisees and then the blind man and then Jesus. He was talking to the same people at the end of chapter 9. Now, moving into our text for the day is John chapter 10 verse 1 through 6 and it says truly true or I'm sorry I'm used to another version truly I tell you anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs 
in some other way as a thief and a robber. So I need to mention, he's not talking about Moses or Isaiah or Jeremiah. He's not talking about the prophets of God. He's talking about the literal false messiahs that came before Jesus mentioned in Acts chapter five, verse 33. Now it says in verse two, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it up for him and he and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And our first observation is that the gate calls his own sheep in to the flock. So you have, may have seen this video on YouTube. Um, there is a, uh, some people trying to call these sheep in. And then he, they're trying to use the call of the shepherd. And then there's like five different people that call the sheep. They don't move. They keep on eating. They're just mowing down on some grass, right? And then the shepherd comes and he does the same call. And then all of them poke their head up and then just start coming. This is the example. How many of you guys, how many of you saw this? No? I showed it to Jonathan and Stephen. But look that up. It's pretty cool. But this is the, this is what I'm talking about. They hear, we hear Jesus. We hear Jesus. And then it says, when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow because, or the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they know, because they don't know the voice of strangers. Now that's Jesus talking. Now in verse six, this is John commenting on that. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. John is emphasizing that the Pharisees are not the sheep. He's just emphasizing it right there. It's a little jab. It's just a little, you know. So then in this scene, we also see that Jesus starts off with, and in scripture, that he is the shepherd. And the interesting thing is that the shepherd of the people is not exclusive to Jewish tradition. It's not. It's not exclusive. The shepherd of the people is one of the titles for some gods in the Middle East. So really, it's argued that Jesus could be including the Gentiles, meaning the rest of the world, in the statement. I would argue that he was. Of course, he included the world in this since he is the son of man and the son of man was sent to Israel and the rebellious and pagan nations in Ezekiel chapter two, verse three. And then now in verse seven, Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Now we know that the shepherd must turn into the gate to protect the sheep like we talked about earlier. He would actually be a bad shepherd if he didn't do this. He would actually be bad because the sheep could leave and then the robbers and wolves could come in and that, that's just something that can't happen with the value on the sheep. So the shepherd must become the gate. In verse eight, it says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. So again, he's not talking about the prophets of God. He is talking about the false prophets, the false messiahs. And in this case, because we're seeing the scene here, right? the Pharisees. He's talking about them. It seems like Jesus can't get enough. He, he just can't get enough of chastising the religious people. It's, it's like he came up with a hundred different ways 
to tell them that they were misrepresenting him. Just, I mean, he just keeps on going. He just keeps on going. And it's like legalism and self-righteousness today in our churches, right? These are actually killing our churches today. These are actually killing our churches today. So as we are imagining the scene, you can can picture yourself in front of Jesus and then in front of the Pharisees and in front of the man who was healed. And just really quickly, let's go back to John chapter 9, verse 35. And look at what it says. Look at what it says. It says, Jesus heard they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, he asked, do you believe in the son of man? Do you believe in the son of man? Now, this little part of scripture is important. It's so important for each and every one of us because you need to know that Jesus comes for you. You need to know that Jesus comes for you when you're cast out, when you're cast out by your family or you're cast out by your friends or you're cast out by your church or you're cast out by anything, your job. He comes for you. He comes from you. Look, my parents still think that this is a phase. My parents still think that this is a phase that I'm going through. And this is kind of hard for me to talk about. But my, my family can't stand that I'm a Christian. They can't. They can't stand. And they can't stand this new pastor job that I got, that I applied for and got. That's the way they talk about it, right? I got this new position in my career. They can't stand it can't stand it. They talk about it like if it was a career so they can bear the shame of me when, you know, they talk about it to friends. That's the way they talk about it. I would argue that each and every one of us, I would argue that each and every one of us here have someone like that or a group of people. For me, it's a group. Three is a group, right? There's a, there's a group of people like that. I would argue that. I would argue that. Look, in the Hispanic culture, there's a few Hispanics in here, we don't have affirmation. That's not in our culture. We don't have that. You know, that attaboy, right? Just the way it is. Just the way it is. But what do we say when our friends and our family don't accept us? What do we say? And yes, all we need to say is the same thing that the man who got healed by Jesus said, I was blind and now I can see. That is the perfect response to that. That is perfect. And Jesus more than made up for these, <clears throat> these feelings that I have, right? Um, he's more than made up for it. Because serving Jesus is the most honorable thing you can do. And notice I didn't say becoming a pastor. Whatever you're doing for Jesus is the most honorable thing that you can do on this planet. It is the most honorable thing. You are connecting with him when you do that. And you're serving his body. How beautiful is that? Amen? Now, in verse 10, or I'm sorry, uh, chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. And now the second observation is the gate brings us into safety. The gate brings us into safety. The shepherd becoming the gate is one of the biggest breakthroughs that happened to me early on. 
But then I'll, I'll share something else with you. I'll share something else. Jesus spoke Aramaic when he was speaking. And do you know how I am is said in Aramaic? It said, I am the living God. I am the living God. You guys can look it up. You guys can look it up uh, with the Aramaic translation of the New Testament. And it's just like Yahweh or Jehovah, right? These are different pronunciations for the same word. So what was said is, I am the living God, the gate. I am the living God, the shepherd. This blows my mind. This blows my mind because he said it right in front of the Pharisees. So he's taking the Lord's name in vain. Not really because he's Lord. So just, just you guys can look it up if you don't believe me. I know. But all seven I am statements started the same way. Just like when he said Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Rapha in the Old Testament. Why? Because he is our everything. He is our everything. From Old Testament to New Testament, he is our everything. Now, Jesus says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Salvation and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the reason why Jesus came. It is the reason why Jesus came. The first thing that Jesus says to the healed man after the leaders kick him out in John uh, 9, 34 is not, how do you feel? It's not encouraging words. It's none of that. What did he say? What did he say? Do you believe in the son of man? This is the most important thing and this is why Jesus came. This destroys all the problems that you have in your life. Your belief in Jesus. We need to surrender our lives to Jesus and enter through Jesus. He is the only way. He is the only way. Then he talks about coming in and going out and finding pasture, meaning Jesus will be leading us in our daily lives and protecting us. And he's not just talking about material things. He's talking about spiritual. He's talking about spiritual protection because he says in the very next verse, in verse 10, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is opposed to the shepherd. Picture it. Thief, shepherd, facing off. Now, in this audience listening right now, who's the thief? It must be, must be the Pharisees. Because they're imposing their twisted religion onto the people. And he also is referencing the father of lies. Because in John chapter 8, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. Then it says, I have come so that they may have life and my life and have it in abundance. The Pharisees were trying to own the abundance of life through their own interpretations of the law with their own oral law. They twisted everything and the Pharisees were acting like gatekeepers and the people would put their trust more in the Pharisees rather than the scripture because they had their own way of explaining it. They had their own narrative. And as for the abundant life, yes, we do receive material blessing, but living your life with Jesus, being in communion with Jesus, being born of the spirit and connected with God is the abundant life we need. Everything else falls short. The only one that can fill the eternity in your heart is the one who created your heart. 
He's the only one who can fill it. In Ecclesiastes 3, chapter 11, it says he puts eternity in your heart. A simple explanation of this is God puts an awareness in each one of us that there must be something more. There must be something more. But in our sin nature, we fill that longing. We fill that hole. We fill that with other things. But in God's sovereignty, he made it impossible to fill He made it impossible to fill it with anything else except for him. Look, your marriage can't fill it. Your kids can't fill it. And say it again, your kids cannot fill that eternity. Your friends, your job, your house, what kind of car you drive or what kind of car you don't drive, right? You know, we can be texting now and driving for some reason. Scary. And of course, sin can't fill it. Because those are material things, and what we need is spiritual. We need spiritual filling from God. And the only one that can fill it is Jesus. And when this happens, you can truly live your abundant life. Jesus is calling everyone here to himself. He's calling everyone here to himself. He is drawing you closer and closer and closer into a relationship with him. And as we stand together, Today, as we stand together today, what do you see? What do you see? What pops in your head? A beautiful mansion? Or a historic gate of a church? Or is it the gate to enter the temple? And this reminds me of John chapter 14, uh, verse 5 and 6. Thomas is speaking to Jesus after the Last Supper. How do we know this? Because in the verse it says, Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Thomas concerned, just like all of us would be concerned if Jesus was standing here physically. I know he's here with us spiritually. We would be asking him, bro, can we go? I mean, am I dressed to go? But Jesus replies, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And yes, Jesus began with, I am the living God. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? The other thing is that there is a place that has entryways called the same thing, which is crazy called the way, the truth, and the life. Does anyone know what it is? It is the other names of the gates of the tabernacle. The first gate, is it up? Okay. The first gate is called the way to enter through the tabernacle. The door of the holy place is called the truth, and the veil of the holy of holies is called the life. Hmm. Three barriers keeping people out. And the only one who can open it, the only one who can open them is for his chosen people is Jesus. And he opens it for each one of us. He opens it for each one of us so we can truly live this abundant life that he wants for us here and now. And there is a hope for eternity that comes with that. Third observation, the gate leads us out to abundant life. Knowing our lives are redeemed and our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus, 
that he died for us and that we will go to heaven when we die is the spiritual mindset that Jesus wants for each and every one of you. Look, the martyrs for the first 300 years, the martyrs, the people who died, the Christians who died, they lived an abundant life, 100% on the run. They lived an abundant life, being thrown to the lions. They lived an abundant life, being burned, being their heads chopped off, crucified. They lived an abundant life because they knew, they knew their king. They knew they were dying for their king. Their families wouldn't talk to them either. Their families shunned them, but they kept going. The religious leaders of their false religion kicked them out of their temples. But all of them had something more. They had something eternal. They had the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we submit to him as his bride and his sheep that he gave his life up for on that cross and defeated the ultimate sin and the ultimate thief and robber, which is sin and death, he sits in victory at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. And let's just be comforted by that today, Lord. Let's just be comforted by that today. That love and grace, that love and grace. I love you guys. So we're gonna transition into communion. They gave me something to read because I didn't know how to transition into it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, for those of you who have surrendered your life, we will have communion. And communion is something reserved for those who consider themselves apprentices of Jesus and have made that commitment to follow him. If you're still working on that, that's great. If you're still working on that, that's okay. Um, we have prayer partners that will pray for you about that and answer any questions. Um, but, and pray for you uh, with, with whatever you're dealing with. Okay? So let us pray, and then we'll have communion. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for bringing me here to my family. Thank you so much that you are sovereign over all, Lord, and you let us be who we are and at the same time save us, Lord. I pray that this church continues to be that beacon of light in this community that this community needs so much, Lord. I pray that you are the one that they represent and you are the one that they are empowered by as they go out to the community and be the church, Lord. I pray this in your holy name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at StoryCityGH or online at StoryCityChurch.com. Go and be the church.